Hey, thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We are MVF Church based out of Heber City, Utah. If you'd like to check out the live recording of this teaching, you can find that at mvfchurch.com. We're glad that you've joined us today, so let's get into the teaching. Well, we continue in our series today, uh, Journey with Jesus. So if you've got your journals and you want to open them up, we're in week 27 today. And today, the sermon, series, the sermon is titled, You're Invited. You're Invited. And we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 14, 1 through 24. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open those to Luke chapter 14, 1 through 24. And while you're doing that, um, I'm not sh- sure if you've all heard of the Tim Tebow Foundation, um, but Tim Tebow, the Tim Tebow Foundation puts on a night called A Night to Shine. And I love the concept of this. There, it's events hosted all throughout the country. In fact, a good friend of MVF Church, Bruce Helgeson, is hosting one in um, uh, the Park City area this, this year. Um, and we'll be p- doing some promotion for that and everything. But what it is is it's a prom night for children that, um, with special needs. It's a, a prom night for children with special needs. It's a night to, to make them feel special, to make them feel, to, to give them the excitement of being able to be celebrated. And, and, they, and they just so, just, they do go over the top to celebrate these kids. And it's, it's such a touching thing because, I don't know if you remember prom, Prom is the greatest night of a lot of high schoolers' lives for many of them. And for many others, it's one of the worst. It's filled with social pressures and anxieties and worry that you don't, you're not going to look as good or have the right date or get a date or even be invited. Or, you know, it, it, it's filled with all sorts of those anxieties. And especially for kids, a lot of the kids with special needs, because a lot of them are not even invited or they just don't feel like they can go. And so this is a night. For them to know, you are invited. You're included. You're important. Every once in a while on um, Instagram or YouTube, I, I come across videos where people go and minister to homeless people by basically just giving them a makeover. I don't know if you've ever seen these videos, but they go and they give, help them get a shower and shave or, or do their makeup or do, do their hair, give them new clothes. And just just bless them for a little bit and 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 see just that you're they're important. That they're they're invited into society. And today we're gonna talk about the fact that Jesus invites everyone. Everyone's invited. No matter how you feel about yourself, no matter how much the world has told you you don't measure up, you don't fit the mold, you're not good enough, no matter how rejected you may have been by anything, Jesus says, you are invited. And then the last few weeks, we've seen Jesus dressing down the religious elite, calling people to choose him and, to ch- and challenging people where their treasures lie. We've seen uh, that kind of as Dana said last week, that regardless of a lot of the misconceptions people have about Jesus, Jesus was not one to shy away from tough topics. And he wasn't one to, to be afraid to tell people that they had to make hard choices. And today on his journey, as he's heading back to Jerusalem, we're going to see that he is invited to a, the dinner party of a Pharisee on the Sabbath. And from the description, 
I don't think Jesus was invited because he was good friends with the guy. It seems as though he was invited either as a, a bit of a way to for this Pharisee to kind of have some clout because Jesus was a very public figure by this time. I mean, you, you either he was polarizing, but he was very public. Everyone knew who he was. So there was a chance to be able to say, hey, look, I've got Jesus coming to this thing. And then also a little bit of entertainment because as we all know, what are the two biggest rules at a dinner party in the United States? You never bring up religion or politics, right? Well, guess what? In Judaism, in the first century, that was the, those were the first two things you did bring up. Because they knew and they learned that you actually learn things and you actually, it helps you when your thoughts are challenged and you can have discussion on it. They weren't like Americans where we were always worried that they, we might say something that offends someone. So they actually loved to have those kinds of discussions and that was part of what they did. So Jesus was partly kind of maybe there for some entertainment purposes too for them. But while he's there, he, he has the opportunity to heal a man. And, and it's on the Sabbath. And he's criticized for that. But he points out quickly that, that the rules that they've created around what it means to obey the Sabbath are not as important as having a heart to, to bless and reach out and, and, and do for someone who is lesser, lesser ability than them, weaker than them. He, he talks to him and says, look, if you're one of your animals or your child fell into a well, you would help them. And he's saying, I, there's, there's a man right here. I have the ability to help. Why, why would I not help them? It's not against the, lo- the law to help someone on the Sabbath. But from that, he gives them a lesson in humility. So I want you to look at, we're going to start, and I did not tell you guys on the slide. So we're going to start at verse 7. A lesson in humility. It says, now he told the parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. See, this is, this is a lesson in humility to us all. Right? We don't necessarily have put the same clout in like where you sit at a table at dinner parties around here. But at weddings we do, right? A lot of weddings you go and they, they have name placards or you're assigned to a table. Tanya and I go to probably a little more weddings than most, um, you know, from different all the different young people that I've worked with throughout life and then people in the church get married and that kind of thing. So... We go to a lot of weddings. Most of those weddings, though, we aren't like assigned to the first four or five tables, right? We're, we're, we're invited, but we're not the like the like most important there. And we know that. And even if we're not, if, if it, there's not assignments, you know, then it's just you sit wherever you want. I wouldn't walk into the wedding and go, oh, let's go get a seat right up by the bride and groom. Come on and get the best spots. Right? I wouldn't do that. <clears throat> Why? Because it's not my place. I, 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 I understand that that's, that's for people who are really close to them and, and have been with them through life, their family. <clears throat> you, we would sit towards the back. We would show humility in that. 
it kind of reminds me this idea that we need to show humility no matter how important we may think we are. Reminds me of the story, you may have heard it, of the plane that had four people on it. And the, it has the, the pilot, uh, um, a molecular biologist who, who's won Nobel Peace Prize, has written many books, and a Boy Scout and a pastor. And right in mid-flight, they hear a, a loud bang, and the pilot turns around and says, Bad news, the, the engine failed, it's a single engine plane, the engine's failed, and we're going down. He says, the worst news is there's only three parachutes. And he says, and I'm sorry, I'm not that chivalrous. And he grabs one and jumps out of the plane. Next, the molecular biologist stands up and says, hey, look, I, I don't want to be a jerk, but I'm, I'm an important person. I bring a lot to the table. And he grabs one and jumps out of the plane. And then the, the pastor looks at the Boy Scout and he says, son, you're young, you're, you have your whole life ahead of you. I, I, I've lived a good life. You take the last backpack, the last, the last shoot. And, and the, the Boy Scout says, don't worry, Pastor, the, the, the smartest guy, the, the most important guy just jumped out with my backpack. <laughs> right? He, his, his elevating himself brought him down, literally. St. Augustine said it was pride that changed the angels into devils, and it is humility that makes men as angels. Jesus goes on, verse 10. He says, but when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Unfortunately, a lot of times when we find some success or maybe we give something pretty extravagant or we serve, we, even when we're serving, sometimes it's easy to start to get the expectation that we're going to get recognized, that we're going to be acknowledged, that we're going to be honored. And, and what happens when we, when we don't receive that honor, when, we don't, when people don't meet our expectations, when, when we're not given a place of honor for what we're doing, we begin to come, become bitter. We get a haughty attitude. We start to believe we deserve things. And when we fall into this, all we do is hurt ourselves and we end up being disappointed. One of the reasons it was a blessing to recognize Megan is because Megan didn't have expectation. It was, there, there was no expectation. And, and you, want to, you want to bless someone like that. You know, we know we could never repay Megan for everything she does. We, we, we can't do that. But we, we, want to, we want to bless her in some way. But unfortunately, sometimes the more someone grows in their success, or the more someone serves or, or does something, they, they, they get to oftentimes to a place of thinking other things are beneath them. I've actually served under pastors who simply would not do a menial task around the church. They simply would not move a few tables or stack some chairs or take out a trash can. 
because they started to kind of get this idea of like, oh, I, I, I have too much. I'm too important for that. See, it's one thing to have a lot of responsibilities that you delegate and you have people to do that stuff as much as possible, but it's another thing to not be even willing to lift the hand. And I guess my question would be, are there areas in your life where you need to be knocked down a couple notches? Are there any areas in your life where you need to be humbled? Because here's what I think I've learned about God. He gives us opportunities to do the things he asks, but then when we don't do it, he gives it, he, he puts it in front of us. He makes it, he makes it happen. And chances are, if we don't ever learn to humble ourselves, you're going to find in life there's a time when he will humble you. He goes on. Oh, actually, let me read, let me read uh, out of Philippians. This, you don't have this on your passage, but, but Paul talks about this, this in uh, Philippians chapter 2. He says, verse 3, <clears throat> he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Well, Jesus takes this concept of what he's talking about, and now he turns it and aims it at the host. Verse 12, he also said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you are repaid. Now, when, in reading into that a little bit and, and doing some study, the verb in the tense it's being used for do not invite, it could, should actually be more translated, do not always invite or do not just keep on inviting. That idea that he's not saying you should never invite those people, but you should, always, you should also be looking to bless and encourage others. Verse 13, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. See, Jesus is saying, look, bless those who have nothing to offer you. Bless those who you're not going to get anything from in return. But you're just doing it to, to bless someone. I mean, let's face it, a lot of our social interaction is transactional, isn't it? A lot of times we bless someone, it's with an expectation of, well, if I bless them, that help, they're going to bless me. Or if I help them, you know, then they're going to help me. Or sometimes we'll even try to become friends with someone because we think they have something to offer us. That happens a lot in our culture. And Jesus is saying we need to, we need to become people who are just simply looking to bless those. You in your life, you have people that I, I call them, um, EGCs or EGRs, extra grace required. You have people in your life that they're just extra grace required. I remember my grandma used to always invite <coughs> a, a lady over to our family events. Her name she was Pat, and she was a great aunt of mine. I remember she would invite her for every kind of event, and she wasn't even... The, a lot of her family didn't even come. It would be my grandparents' family, but like this lady's kids and that kind of, they didn't come, but she would invite her. And I remember when I was like in my early 20s asking her, Grandma, why'd you always invite Pat? Because she was just annoying. 
You know, I mean, like you go to eat and she would always be like the first one, like even literally as people were praying, she'd be like putting food on her plate. Um, she she was gaudy in how she dressed over like all sorts of stuff all over. Um, she was just just rude, just kind of a rude, just rude personality. Like you couldn't just have a normal conversation with that without her doing like little passive aggressive comments about the whole thing didn't like kids. And we just had kids running around our family all the time. And I was like, Graham, why did you invite her? And I remember my grandma saying, because she wasn't invited anywhere else. And I, and she just had a heart to say, I'm not going to just let someone be uninvited. Do you have extra grace required people? Do you, do you, do you make an effort to reach out and to love them? Or do you find ways to put them aside? Well, after this, he, he goes straight in from here into a parable, basically telling them that, look, if you're not humble towards others, you're not going to be humble towards God. We need to be humble towards God. Look at verse 15. He says, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat the bread of the kingdom of God. Once again, remember, we see this all the time. Someone's just trying to throw out a thing, kind of agreeing with Jesus, and Jesus uses that as a way to go, nah, let's, let's talk about that. He goes, Jesus says, said to him, a man once gave a banquet and invited many. And at, that, at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Now, just to understand that, they didn't have Evites. Like we have, you know how you do an Evite, right? And they didn't have text messages to remind people. So the way they would do invitations to big banquets is, however, whenever they decided they were doing the banquet, a year or six months before, a servant would go and go to either different villages, wherever he needed to go to let people know, it's, hey, it's going to be around this time. You know, we want you to be, be there, be prepared. And people would know. And then when the time was there, that servant would go back out and go try to get, get the, gather the people, right? So that's what's happened. <clears throat> Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. The other said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go examine them. Please have me excused. The other said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. So they've all rejected the invitation. Jesus says this, then the master of the house became very angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, what you have commanded has been done. And there's still no room. So you see what he's saying? He's saying, look, if you, the people that don't respond to the invitation, the people that, that are, are too proud, are too busy with their little lives to respond, are going to be passed up. And he's going to go to the ones that those people look down on. And he's going to find them. Verse 23, and the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited 
shall taste my banquet. So you see what he did here? The person says, blessed is the, are those who, who get to go to the kingdom of God. And then Jesus tells this parable relating to the whole bank food thing that they're doing right now. But he basically says, hey, God's throwing a banquet. The kingdom of God is a banquet. And he's inviting you. But you missed it. Because he sent me to tell you now is the time and you're rejecting me. You're, you're saying you're too busy. You're too busy building your kingdom. And so God is bypassing you. And he's calling those who you've spent your life looking down on. And in that last part, verse 23, that's a huge slap in the face because when, the, when there was still room, it doesn't say then he sent the servant back out to try to coax the others back into coming. It says, no, he went even further. And when he says that, he's talking about you and I. He's talking about the Gentiles, non-Jewish people that he said the kingdom of heaven is for them. See, we need to be humble before God. This parable hurt for many reasons. I mean, he's at a dinner table filled with people who feel like they're the entitled ones. They, they believe they deserve a place at God's table. And he's saying, but you're making excuses. And as long as you're making excuses, you're going to be back, passed up. You ever have someone give you a lame excuse for not doing something with you? You know it's a lame excuse. Uh, you know that they're, they're not really busy. They just don't want to come. It hurts, doesn't it? You know what's even worse is when they give, they say they're going to come, right? That's what these people did, right? They say they're going to come. But then when it comes up, when it's time, they found something better to do. They, they, they went and did something else. And they just say, hey, I'm not going to make it because I'm doing this. Pretty much, pretty quickly, it makes you feel like, oh, well, I guess you don't really want to have a relationship with me. See, they thought themselves too important to come when the host called. See, they thought, well, I have the right pedigree. I've checked all the proper boxes. I expect to be honored. But Jesus is saying that God has given you every opportunity and you're unwilling to listen to his call. You're too concerned with your little kingdom that you've built for yourself and you're going to miss out on the greatest kingdom of all. Another way to look at that in today's culture is that there are a lot of people who busy themselves with their lives. And they think they're good people. And they think that they're going to go to heaven and be with God based on good works and being a good person, having the right behavior, whatever. But they're unwilling to acknowledge and answer God's call. Hear this. I want you to hear this. Heaven is not going to be filled with good people. Hear that. Heaven is not going to be filled with good people. Heaven is going to be filled with people who answer God's call. Now, do we hopefully grow and, and become more like Christ as we've answered after we answer that call and, and become 
a, a more moral person, a person who follows the, the, the scriptures more? Yes, absolutely. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're good. We have, a, we have a misnomer in our, in our society that thinks if we're good, if we live the right life, we're going we're gonna to be in heaven. Heaven is about being with God. If you didn't show God in your life that you want to be with him, guess what? He's not going to make you. Right? Amen. Amen, Harry. That's okay. That's good. I like it. Heaven is for people who want to be with God. And he's saying, I'm going to call the people who want to be with me. And what you think you have isn't going to be enough. Look at verse 21. He's telling them they missed the call. And the ones that think they aren't good enough are going to take those spots. Have you ever been invited to an event you didn't think you should be invited to? You didn't feel like you really deserved that spot? It's a humbling thing, isn't it? I've had a couple opportunities like that. Someone invite me to go with them to something. I was like, oh, this is like a huge honor. Or invite me over for uh, something that they're doing that I, I, I wouldn't have thought I would have been a part of. And, it, and it's a humbling thing to be a part of that. At MVF, I want us to be a church that invites the people that don't think that they're supposed to be here. That's the kind of church MVF should be. Unfortunately, there are a lot of churches that what they want to do is they want to set the bar, set it high, and make people feel like they have to do something, that they have to be a certain way, fit a certain mold in order to be invited into the kingdom of God. But it's simply not true. As a pastor, one of the, my, one of the things I love the most is to hang out and spend some time with someone who doesn't feel like they belong in the church but is in the church. Why? Because once they feel that welcoming, once they feel, once they know they're invited, it, 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 it creates a response of gratitude and joy. And that's the kind of church MVF should be. MVF should be the kind of church where people who feel rejected, hurt, like they don't measure up, are invited. People that are, have a grateful heart that you can see in them because they, have, they thought that they were rejected. But then they come here and they learn, no, you're not rejected. You're invited. God wants you to be a part. See, we, we love, this is just human nature. We love to create elite statuses rather than inclusive statuses. Right? We like for an event, we like to go to inclusive stuff, right? We like we like to go to maybe a big concert and be with all sorts of different type of people, and that's that's inclusive, that's fun. But then if we have to like hang out and spend time like on a regular basis, then we start to go, yeah, I don't, yeah, you were fun for one night, but yeah, you get you know, you're too much, right? And we push people away. When it comes to something we belong to, we want it to be inclusive. That's just human, that's kind of our sinful nature. We create elite statuses, and that's what happens in church. Churches become elite. People start to get this mindset, well, you know, uh, when they come, it it makes it uncomfortable. Churches start to get this attitude of like, no pain, no gain. Got to carry the cross. Got to suffer. Show that you're suffering for Jesus. Show that you're committed. Rather 
than inviting people to the banquet and knowing that, hey, guess what? Once they start to understand and sense the welcoming love of Jesus, then Jesus will do the work in them. But see, instead, what we oftentimes want to do is, is, is we want to make them carry that burden before people are ready. And we make them feel like they, they have to belong in order to receive the invitation. But that's not what Jesus did, was it? Jesus went out to the people who felt like they didn't belong. He said, you are invited. See, I, I'm under the belief that when people are invited and they, and they recognize that love, they recognize that God wants them, then what happens is they begin to be grateful for that invitation. And they, they're excited to spend time with the host. Can you imagine being invited to a, a party? Let's just say, pick, pick your favorite per, well-known person. Uh, maybe it's a top political person, a top uh, uh, media person, a singer, a, a, a movie star. Pick, pick that top person. And they invite you to a party. And you go to that party. You're, you're, gonna, you're excited just to go to the party, right? And if you get to that party and you're sitting like way out and, and you're like, oh, I think I saw them walk by one time, but there's thousands of people. Guess what? Are you bummed? Nope, you're still excited. But now that person walks up to you and says, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Man, can, why don't you hang out with me tonight while we, do, while we go around and talk to people? I'd love to get to know you better. You're going to be like, awesome, that'd be so cool, let's do it. And you're going to be spending time with that person and you're going to be so excited. See, I believe that when people know that Jesus loves them, that Jesus invites them, and they, they, don't, they no longer feel rejected, they no longer feel pushed away, and they get that Jesus wants to be with them, that, they're, that they want to be with him, and they start to become like him. But unfortunately, in churches so often what we do is we say, hey, you need to look a little more like Jesus, and until you do... You're not really welcome. You're not really invited. That's not how the church is supposed to be. And so what happens is churches have a tendency to become inward focus. And we all just hold hands in a big circle because that's comfortable. Not the holding hands part, but that's comfortable. <coughs> and while we're doing that, a world is outside us drowning, dying. But you see, when we work out of a place of humility, we don't ask how certain people can be accepted. We don't be like, we're not like, oh, how, how does God accept that? Why doesn't God make them start measuring up? We quit doing that when we're working out of humility. And instead, we're grateful for the acceptance he gives us and we're gracious to the acceptance he's giving someone else. See, the people who responded to Jesus' call were the ones in humble positions. And their humility made them feel honored to be invited to the party. 
They didn't feel worthy of that invitation. How do you see yourself? Are you reminded daily of the great honor it is to be invited by God, not only into his presence, but into his party? And not only to his party, but that he wants to spend time with you. Imagine a church filled with people that are that humbled and honored by God's invitation to them. And imagine how they could impact the world. Verse 23, he hits them hard, even harder. Let me just read this. He says, we see that this, or he, he, he basically says that, that he sends them back out to the highways and hedges. Now he's not saying that, hey, God goes to the least of these. He's, he's literally saying God goes to those that aren't even the these. And they, they don't even belong to, they, they don't even belong, they're not just the least of what you see your society. They're, they're worse than that in your eyes. And I'm going to them. I'm going to go to the people you hate. The people that follow after other gods, the people that live absolutely immoral lives. If you think our world lives immoral, do some first century history study. And yet God loved them and God invited them and God called his people to go out and invite them. And then verse 24, for I tell you, none of those men, speaking of the ones that rejected him, were invited who were invited, shall taste of my banquet. It's probably not even possible for us to understand how that hit them. If they understood what he was saying there, there was only two possible responses. Either total repentance and remorse, or indignation and anger. Once again, Jesus upsetting the religious establishment by inviting in the people that they spent centuries building a system to keep out. Tearing down those barriers and inviting them in. Next week, when we dive into our grand opening Sunday, we're going to also spend some time reminding about the vision of MVF. We're going to be reminded the MVF church is a church that invites the ones that have been pushed out or pushed to the side by religion. Made to feel that they don't belong. Made to feel like they don't measure up or fit in. And I'm going to tell you right now, it, that, that's messy. That's hard. That's uncomfortable. It's chaotic. But guess what? We didn't do any of this to be comfortable. We did this to follow the call. And the last I checked in my lifetime, when I follow the call, it's far more chaotic than it is comfortable. Let's pray. Father God, help us to love the way you love. God, help us to 
allow our lives to be messy enough to be right in the middle of what you're doing. God, I, I pray for those in our this valley who feel rejected, who feel like they're not good enough, they don't measure up. God, I know many of us in this room struggle with that. There might be people here today that it was all they could do to get themselves to walk through the doors because they don't feel like they're the right type of person for you. Or they don't feel like they're doing and living out or being exactly who you want them to be. God, I pray that we would always be a church that humbly is reminded that heaven isn't filled with good people, it's filled with people who are constantly answering your call. And God, that we would be wholeheartedly committed to sharing that message, that good news with a broken world. If you enjoyed this teaching, we would love to have you join us for a live gathering. We are located at 271 North, 600 West in Heber City, Utah. If you need more information about us, including our gathering times or previous teachings, you can find all that at mvfchurch.com. And make sure you follow us on social media too. See you next time.